0: It's the only podcast on Earth, the wrestling podcast on Earth, with two former MLB All-Stars, Jason Kindle, who's not here, Dimitri Young, who is here. Wave, Dimitri.
1: I'm also going to say, you keep saying two
0: former All-Stars, and it's been me for a while. That's good enough for me. <laughs> One former four-time Stanley Cup champion who is not here. One... Two-time X Division champion of P.D. Williams. What's up, P.D.?
2: Hey, how's she going, eh?
0: One band member from the band, Rancid, who is one of my favorite people on earth, (laughs) Lars Fredrickson. Lars, what's up? And we got a guest, guys, and I'm super excited. And by the way, before we really get into this, I want to wish him a happy birthday to Ricky Starks. Happy birthday, Ricky. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yes. Well, listen. It, we are going to just hammer home questions to you left and right. We're really excited to have you on. And I guess I'll start off the question in this. You are one guy here who is in probably one of the greatest storylines going on in AEW with Sting. You have Taz. You have Brian Cage. You have Will Hobbs. How do you, as a guy who went at the beginning of COVID, you were in NWA. You find yourself in AEW in probably one of the most premier storylines. How do you adjust to that going forward kind of in a young wrestling career?
3: You know, it's insane. I, I don't know. It's hard to put into words. Um, You you meant you left out the TNT champion, Darby Allen, who uh, while we have some issues, there is a badass on every level. Um, I wouldn't have called this at the start of this year, even if you, would have given me a million dollars. This is something that uh, obviously I'm, I'm prepared for, but it's not something that I actually had in mind uh, when I was preparing. If that makes sense, uh, I went from you know being in NWA and doing like the the studio setting, going to wrestling Cody Rhodes for the TNT title with nobody, with no fans in attendance, somehow earning my way into a job, and now here we are a week away basically from a huge street fight match on a w revolution pay-per-view against Darby Allen and sting with my, my homie, Brian cage. Uh, it's insane, man. It's insane. When I tell you time has flown by and I cannot keep up. I, there's times where I'm just like, yo, what day is it? What, what, what's happening? I lose myself. It's, It's so fast.
2: So Ricky, I I get where you're coming from, man. I really do. I remember being in that spot where it's like, man. I'm telling you right now, enjoy it while it lasts. It does fly by, um, you know. Now, what, what's it like with, man? I'm sure you grew up watching Taz, right? Yeah. Um, what's it like being like considered like mentored by him? Like, what what's uh, explain that? How how is that?
3: You, you know, it's weird. It's it's because my brother and I used to watch Taz all the time, and we thought he's such a badass, especially when uh ECW came on TNN and we'd wait up on Fridays for it. Uh, it's it's pretty insane to think about, especially when you're, you're back there and he's giving you tips on, you know, your match, your promo, stuff like that. Uh, the business side of things, too. Um, I don't necessarily look at it from the, the viewpoint of like uh, when I was younger and be like, yo, this is crazy. I somehow have normalized it. I see Sting. I have normalized it. It's bad in a way. Cause I do want to feel that, you know, that old, that young me, but it's been great. It's been so beneficial to me as a a performer, as a businessman, Uh, I really wouldn't change it for the
1: world. Hey, Ricky, this is Demetri Young here. I'm a, I live out here in Camarillo, California and, um, you know, championship wrestling from Hollywood is out, you know, out in Port Wainimi, which is like 20 minutes away. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of guys go through that. And I like the independent stuff as well. And ever since this pandemic started, I've been able to watch a lot of that kind of footage. And then I stumbled upon you when you went through NWA and being crowned the first you know, world television champion after a long while. How did that feel for them to believe in you and, and put the belt on you? You know what? I um I have a chip on my shoulder about the
3: older generation of wrestlers. And this is being straight up. I sometimes feel like while the older guys who are still around have a lot to offer and their intentions are good uh, as far as helping get over the younger talent, it's not always the case. So I carry around the chip on my shoulder about that. And I'm very I'm very reluctant to certain things. So when I was when I won the title, the, the television title. That to me was a crowning moment, and it was a big F you to the people that not only didn't want to give me a chance, not only that didn't see anything in me, but also, too, it was me bridging the gaps. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't really find myself fitting in with how wrestlers are today. I never did, especially on the indies. I just feel like I'm in my own little bubble. So to have, to be the, 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 you know, revamped NWA television champion and to be the, bridge from the old to the new that was great that was that was perfect because in my head uh the older generation couldn't tell me shit and the younger generation like oh dude okay yeah like that's pretty that's pretty cool that this dude came out of nowhere uh, unknown basically and won the, the television title who was dude you gotta think about the people that held that title it's yeah. insane the yeah. the lineup is insane and so if you're working with some of those people right now at AEW, i'm like it makes no sense. Mm
4: -hmm. Well, like, what do you think? I mean, what you just said about having this chip on your shoulder, what do you think the biggest difference between that old school mentality and what's happening now with with the younger wrestlers? Where do you think the disconnect is?
3: Honestly, I think the disconnect, it, it comes from certain old values. I still follow the old the old philosophies and the ideologies of the past, right? Don't get me wrong, I do, but there, there's some other stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. I don't necessarily agree with that everybody is out to get your spot and that you know you have this this paranoia about it, right? If here's my thing, nobody can take my spot because I'm too I'm too damn good in my own head. No one can ever bury me. No one can ever make me look bad because I'm in control. I'm always going to be in control. And if I have that mindset and I think that way, then when I approach other wrestlers and I and I work with other wrestlers, I'm not coming from a place of like, oh, you're you're a snake. I need to be I need to be careful. I need to bully you. I need to do all these things and make sure my safe my my spot is secure. So things like that, I don't necessarily agree with. Um, and you know, there's times where you you'll get into situations like, especially on the Indies or even at NWA, where the older guys who have been doing it for so long, that isn't a that isn't a pass to not only bury younger talent and get over on them. Um, that should be an opportunity to show other people, hey, if I've been doing this for 30 years. Let me show you why I've been doing it for 30 years, and I've been on top, and I can get anybody over because I'm that good of a wrestler. So those type of things, I, I usually, that's why I have the chip because I've dealt with it for so long and had to sit back and, you know, not be given a chance because some guy who still wants to hold on a very sliver of thread about his his popularity in wrestling still can't let go and, and make way for, for new people and give back.
0: Sitting yeah, no. here,
1: okay. sitting
0: here listening to you, you do not sound like the Ricky Starks who is on TV. How did you find the tv voice of ricky starks
3: the tv voice to me the 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 ricky you hear right now is the same ricky on tv you must be talking about when i'm actually more fired up uh and and i have a little bit more uh, passion behind what i'm saying um
0: love joneses
3: the love oh you know the smooth operator ricky that's what you're referring to huh yes yeah honestly man um there's some days I feel I feel very calm and collected. There's some days I feel very amped up and ready to go and passionate. I think that's where the two come into play. It just depends on how I'm feeling, honestly. I don't like to uh... – the same thing with my entrance. Here's the thing. My entrance usually isn't the same. I'll, I'll hit the pose, but depending on how I'm feeling, I may walk out and I may hit it, or I may walk out and I'm amped up and i do a little dance, <laughs> and a little air guitar, and then hit it. It just depends. Yeah.
2: Ricky, not to cut you off there. Now, you know, being on TV, you know, it's way different than just being on the indies, right? Cameras, all that kind of stuff. Do the producers, do the agents, do they give you hell for that? Being like, hey, man, why didn't you hit your pose there? You usually hit the pose there. Like, like, is it hard to produce you? Do they say anything?
3: I'm not to toot my own horn, but uh, when I mm-hmm. first started, I, there was sometimes where they would be like, hey, you didn't hit it today. Why didn't you? Like, mm-hmm. and in my head, I was like, "Guys, ah, eh, maybe it's a little too much sometimes. So once I got past that, it was fine. But the producers do like working with me because I know where each camera is almost at every time. And I love the hard cam. So it makes it makes Tim, the producer, you know, Tim and and Daryl, their jobs way easier Uh, and they don't have to keep switching everywhere. But, yeah, when I first started at AW, I didn't want to do it all the time. because I was like, "Eh, it's a little bit overkill, but I get it now all about branding.
1: Now, now you're always on AW a w dark and you and taz i love when you two are going up against each other because you think that every manager and and their you know their client you know they always get along and stuff but it's like you two kind of snip at each other and you always have difference of opinions and does that help you with your promo stuff because i mean you are just on point every time that you're on there
3: you know, I didn't think of it like that, but I think that does help me be a little bit more uh, quick with it. I was, I, I've always been pretty quick with it and, and smart, Alec, um, on the drop. But working with Taz is is so much fun just because I can enhance that. Um, and I do get a lot of people asking me, it's like, oh, do you two hate each other?" No, that's just that's just how I interact. I can interact with people like that. Like that's that's that type of commonality we have with each other uh, and understanding of. It would just bust people's balls. That's really it, Lars.
4: <laughs> oh, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, because you're able, to, you know, to kind of go back to what we were talking about. Um, the, you know, the 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 disconnect with the old school to the to the newer guys, and it and it seems like, and one of the things that I do enjoy about the wrestling, whether it be on Impact or AEW is you can see there's a camaraderie there, like a real camaraderie. And, and I feel like you're right on saying that there's no like, you know, back. I mean, I'm sure there's backstabbing, but, you know, there's backstabbing and everything. But my point is, is it feels a little bit more like uh, together, like a team. That's kind of what I feel like is coming off the TV screen, like everybody's kind of working together. Would you say yeah. that's, would you say that's a fair assessment of what's happening
3: and that locker Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a team effort is always the, the best way to go. Uh, obviously, everyone there is competitive and we all want certain spots, right? But the old way of doing it, from the, the stories that you used to hear, it doesn't work anymore. It just, it, it, it's not, it, you just don't need it, right? So now, while we do have the teamwork and we have that team mentality, everyone is competitive within their lanes. And obviously some lanes need to be worked on a little bit more. Some lanes merge into one, you know? So uh, I think having that team aspect, especially at AEW is so important because people forget we are a startup company. This is still (laughs) we haven't been around for what, you know, 30 years, like some companies have been. So it's important to lay that foundation right now. So that way, when we explode in the next year or two, uh, we've already had that groundwork and everybody understands, Hey. Get your mind into it. Let's all work together so we can all make money and we can make the entire industry way better than what it could have been, you know, let's say 20 years ago when there was the opportunity to do things together.
0: Now, I, I have to jump in because you mentioned startup and maybe you can compare NWA to a startup company just like AE, AEW is a startup company and they both have different wrestling styles. Was it yeah. hard for you to adjust from the, a, the NWA style to the AEW style of wrestling? No,
3: no way. Here's the thing. So when you think of NWA, you do think of a certain style, right? You think of like an old Memphis style or whatnot, at least to me. Like when I, when I would think of NWA, I thought of a specific style. My thought process on it is my style that I wrestle will fit into any type of generation. Uh, and so when I went to NWA, I made sure that I didn't change my style because I thought this is what Lagana and Billy wanted to see. Mm. And it's the same thing that happened when I went to AEW. I went there with the mindset: I'm presenting you with what I've worked on for the past ten years, and this is what I have. This is what I've cultivated by pulling different things together. So, no, there was no difference when I went from NWA to AEW. Um, and I think it was easier for me that way because I didn't have a lot of pressure to. You know, sometimes you go to places and you change yourself. Like you do the WWE tryout, and you think this is what they want to see, and you switch up your whole style, and you end up not getting signed because of it. It was the mentality I had of that.
2: So, oh, I I got two questions for you, kind of, sort of. One's a quick one, and so uh, like who trained you first off? I I don't recall. And what's that one, really quick?
3: So, uh, Mr. Mexico Number Two trained me. His name is George Daly. He's like. He was a—I um, wouldn't say he was a job guy, but he was—he was a local guy back in California in the '70s and '80s. Who he said he worked with Piper and okay. uh, the Guerreros and, and things like that. He was
4: in, he was in big time wrestling.
3: Yes, right. yes.
2: Okay. Now, uh, my my follow up for that. So uh, he—he's old school, I guess. But you talk about this old and and new and aspects of both and all that kind of stuff. So you're training, you're growing up, you're watching wrestling and stuff like that, and you're just you're you're so smooth in the ring and, and everything you do like where do you draw your inspirations from is it like oh yeah i take a little bit of this i like what he does i like what he does or or just like hey i'm gonna just do my own thing like how how did that all come together
3: so george george was very good at laying the, the foundation like i i focused very very much on my basics uh, and so growing up, I've watched wrestling all my life, never did any sports, never did anything. I've only watched wrestling. Yeah. And so a lot of my inspiration that I, I came up with comes from different eras of wrestling. I'll go back and i watch wrestling from like the forties, fifties, the, the, you know, the old black and white stuff, yeah. because there's a genuine emotion there when you hear the crowds and things like that. Then i watch, I used to be really big into world of sport. There's a good, like, oh, year I that,
2: love world of sport, man. Yeah.
3: That's all I watched. I only watched that. And then I found out about um, Japanese wrestling and then started to go back and do the history of that. And then I found out about Lucha Libre and like the Lucha Libre from the eighties. I really love uh, Lucha Libre, eighties, nineties, that type of stuff. It's just really a cultivation of things that I pull from. I love boxing. So I watched a lot of boxing from the nineties. Right. And I pulled things from that selling and like body movements and whatnot. So I try to find a lot of inspirations from stuff that you wouldn't really think about just because, you know, it, it, I don't want to just shoehorn myself into something. Yeah. Any
2: I, wrestlers in particular or anything?
3: Um. Yeah. My favorite wrestler is the Undertaker by far. Undertaker is my favorite wrestler. So there's a lot of things that I pull from him when it comes to selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other favorite wrestler is uh, Shinjiro Otani. I love Otani. Oh, Tani, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: He, he, yeah, everyone has that same reaction when yeah. I bring him up man. Those are those two are the biggest influence that I have just because there's a lot of emotion that
1: they have and there's something unique about them.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah,
1: 100%. Well, well I have a follow up with Pete and it has everything to do with uh, you know, your mentor and stuff like that. Who is your running buddy? Like some your confidant that you would have that you was able to confide in with moves and things of that nature. Honestly, Dimitri, I didn't have
3: that. Um, I was a pretty, so when I was coming up on the Indies, like I didn't have that to bounce ideas. I was a little bit more progressive in thinking at the time. And I'm still, you know, I'm still a little bit, people were like, Oh, that's too much. That doesn't make sense. Um, but I really didn't have that to, to combine and, and, and go off of anyone with, it was just me, I would just watch stuff, write it down. And I was like, yo, this idea is funny. I think this will be good. And I'd try it out. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. But uh, a lot of times people shot my ideas down. And so I just stopped at pitching ideas to people and saying,
0: hey, what do you think of this? Because
3: at the end of the day, if it comes from me, I can only try it out and see if
0: it works. Well, I have to ask you, ask you this question. And it uh, may sound weird at the beginning, but come along with me on this ride you are six foot, almost 200 pounds. But when you're compared to will Hobbs and Brian cage, you look like the small guy in the group. Do yeah. You feel like you have to work harder to get yourself over compared to these two monsters. Where in reality, if you were by yourself, you're still a big
2: yeah, yeah.
0: guy.
3: <laughs> so this is not a knock on, on cage or Hobbs, but, uh, when I'm on the screen or, if I, you know, I'm in the match, I'm not really trying to get over it. It's just, I'm not trying at all. It just happens. Um, so I never really think about it like that because actually while cage is bigger than me left to right, I'm actually taller than him. Um, and me and Hobbs are the, the same height as well. Come to find out, but no, I don't really, I don't really let that be a hindrance. I, I know that this is a big man's game. Now it's starting to turn back into that. And, you know, people people will definitely believe Hobbs or cage over me. If you look at us on paper originally, but no, man, I don't, I don't think I have to, I never have that feeling of like, Oh, I got to get myself over. Cause these two are out, you know, they're bigger than me. I have certain things that are, that make me a lot bigger. Like, let's say my promo work, than other people do. And yeah. so I, I'll, you know, rely on that. I I've, there's times where I was like, man, screw the size stuff. I used to obsess over it a lot and it used to mess with me. And now I'm like, I don't care anymore.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I, I appreciate Dennis's uh observation, but I always I see I see I, I see you in a different way when it comes to those two guys because you're you're you got you got a big fucking you're a hothead, man. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it, yeah. So basically like you, you're as big as those dudes with your fucking temper, and that's one of the, the things why I feel like I can connect yeah. to what yeah. you do up there. And um, you know, you were talking about you know your favorite wrestlers, and I, I I see you as a totally completely different thing. And but I do know like drawing influences like the bands that I loved listening to. I don't necessarily feel like we like my, the bands I play in sound like them. It's just right. it's my perception of what they do. And I feel like it's unique for us, but whatever. My point is, is, do you feel like you found your style by by accident? Or was it something that you consciously like went in and gone, you know what, I need to be an all around kind of guy, or this or or anything? Or do you think that, you know, because you're this hothead, you have to wrestle a certain way? Like the psychology behind it, That's that, I guess that's my question.
3: Dude, that's a, that's a great question actually because I had this conversation with someone before. Um, I was coming up during the, the period where like Ricochet was really big on the Indies, right? Oh, so yeah. At, yeah, you already know. Yeah. You had people just recreating that. And so there's a period where I was like, what is my style? What what am I good at? I'm not good at at uh, Lucha Libre. Like I can't fly around. I can bass, but I can't fly around. And I think what happened is um, there's a method in art called uh, Paste or or in filming, I think that's Paste, which is essentially you take uh, there's certain things that you pull from other people that have already you're copying in a sense, you know what I'm saying? But it's through your own lens. That's what happened with me. I think growing up and watching things and liking certain things and being so observant that, uh, I, I kind of just it came by accident It everything just molded together. So I don't necessarily think I have a style that uh, I can give a definition to, um, though I would love to. I just I just don't like the hotheadedness and stuff like that. I think that helps with when I watch Otani, uh, he has a silent rage, you know, so that, that that's the thing as well. But no, nah, man, when I think about it, when I think about my temper and when I'm in the ring, it's the same situation. I had when I was eight and I would get so hot-headed and want to fight. People. I, I think of it the same way.
2: I love it. So when you, you got to walk me through this. Um, so you, you were NWA, right? The COVID happened. So how, how did it go from, you were done with NWA and now I'm going to AEW. Like, was it, how, how did that come about?
3: It, this will trip you out. And this is like, please trip me ar- out. Ar- around this time. It kind of changed my whole life. Right. So, uh, in 2019, I went to Japan. The only reason I went to Japan, cause I went on Twitter and said, Hey, this year I'm gonna go to Japan. Didn't you know I was, yeah, I manifested it. Right. Yeah. So I worked hard. I put in the work and I manifested I spoke it out in existence. NWA, the, the NWA contract came up and it was pretty much like they were going to renew it, but the pandemic just happened and they were going to go start doing this thing called corny uh carny land, which to me I thought was corny. I thought it was the worst idea imaginable. And on top of that, too, they cut my pay and I was already struggling to make ends meet. So I said, I'm done, I'm not gonna renew. And they were they weren't happy about it, but it, it was what it was. Yeah, and so I took a chance and saying, like, well. I'll just keep busting my ass and make things and figure it out, right? Everything just works itself out. I had been through enough in life with sleeping in my car and being homeless and not being able to eat that. I stopped stressing about it. And then there was the dynamite where Cody came out and he announced like there was going to be an open challenge. And then he went on Twitter and said, oh, no, this is open to everybody. And I swear to God, the next day I was at the gym and this vision of me walking out, cutting this promo on Cody Rhodes before the match and having this match kept popping into my head for that for those few days that Sunday I got a a call from AEW asking me if I was interested in coming in and doing like a a match with with Cody I was like yeah for sure I was like what the hell is going on (laughs) I get there and we theoretically I didn't have a promo live in front of him but I wasn't supposed to have a promo at all I go and do some b-roll stuff uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And they chopped it up because the producer had liked it so much and he pitched it to Tony like, hey, maybe we do a promo package before he comes out. Dude, the promo package, I came out. I I had an entrance and theme song. I had the match. After the match was over, I legit thought it was just like a one-off. And I said, well, at least I can raise my my right and go onto the indies, gain some more momentum. And then once the pandemic is over, get back in touch with AEW or WWE and see what's happening. And sure enough, that Wednesday, my chairs and I get a call from Tony and he offers me a job. It was the most insane thing that's ever happened just because it started up here and then just materialized so quick. So, what hey, go
2: ahead, Pete? No, I just wanted to follow up with all right, so you, you didn't even have a job lined up at AEW, at nothing like, like that. NWA. Nope, no thank you. You're cutting my pay, not for me, all that kind of stuff. How long, like how long was it until you got that phone call? Was it days? Was it weeks? A month? So that
3: was, I want to say that was like a month or a month and a half from the time that I said, no, thanks. And to the time that, uh, that AEW called, because remember the time that when my contract was over, AEW was still doing those shows in Atlanta. Remember in that, like in their, their factory. right? Right. So they had that period. Then once they moved over to dailies, that's when I got it. So it had to be like two months two month span of that gap between not having a job anymore.
2: And then last thing, then we'll move on. I just want to keep touching on that. So then um, when they, when they called you, like, so who, who called you? Like, did you reach out to them prior and they were like, Oh, you got nothing for you? Or do they like, did you think they didn't even know you existed? Or like, wh- what was the hookup there?
3: So, so let's go back to that earlier that year, right? Uh, in February, I had went into when they came to Austin. I went to go visit because I went to. I just went to see my friends like Sammy and Max and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw Cody. I knew of Cody way before. And I was just saying hello. And I said hello briefly to Tony. And I went to the. I went to hang out with um, Max afterwards, and we had a little drink. And I, I got to meet QT and everyone else. Mm-hmm. That was really the the extent of them in my head knowing me prior to that i never reached out i didn't know who to talk to i didn't want to ask my friends for help on it mm-hmm. i just figured well if it's meant for me it's meant for me and i'll get in touch with them but it was it was like qt or one of the production people had called me and asked me if i wanted to do it uh, just to see what the interest was and i was like yeah absolutely wow
1: Great. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you to the punch Dennis because you're gonna probably ask this question i'm gonna ask but saying all that and going through what you went through to now be an AEW and be on a a serious platform in the next five years, who are the guys that you would like to wrestle in the wrestling ring? Because now that you have that platform, you can pretty much say who you want to wrestle.
3: Well, it's definitely going to be, it's definitely gonna be Darby, Sammy, Max, Jungle Boy, uh, Adam Page, um, Kenny, Moxley, Kingston, those are the people that I can just rattle off right now without even thinking about it. How uh, about
1: outside of AEW?
3: Outside of AEW, it would be uh, Naito, um, who else. Uh, that's really it as far as people outside that I can think of.
2: Well, keep oh, in well. mind, I don't know if you watch the Impact product, but, you know, obviously there's, like, going back and forth, Impact, AEW talent. Anybody yeah. got your eye on? Uh, and Impact.
3: Impact uh you know what? I really know Swan, so I, I, Swan would definitely be on that list. That was exactly
2: what I was thinking off the top of my head, right? There, I
3: was thinking, so. yeah. I was thinking him and Sammy.
4: Oh yeah, Sammy <laughs> Callahan. Yeah, that'd be a good that'd one be too. Like right, hothead right? versus hothead. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, like you know, like you guys could like do your own belt, like the hothead belt,
3: be like Hell
4: a head. Yeah. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> you know,
3: most, uh, uh, Jake something. I really, I, I've worked with Jake a bit, and I really like Jake too.
2: Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy him. When I was coming back after, uh, you know, I did my little retirement, he was like, I rolled around with him in the ring just to get my footing back. You, you've had Been matches to- with him?
3: Uh, yeah, at AAW, actually.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, AAW. I, for- I totally forgot you. Yeah, I-, right.
3: I would say, I would say Ethan Page, but um, that's just, a, that's a, more of a free agent, but he's definitely on the list as well. And I've, I've worked him too. So yeah, those would be the people that I can think of, like just, shooting them off and i feel like man i feel like i can have good chemistry with almost anyone just from a a selfish standpoint
0: you know
2: no i could i could definitely see that right dennis you've been waiting so patiently if you want to ask your question
0: i have march march 7th is aew's revolution pay-per-view we're yeah about that sting taz two legends that you are connected with through a storyline but I want to bring this back to your indie roots. We've learned a lot about your NWA ties, a lot about your A AEW ties. Can you talk a little bit about your? Because a lot of people think, oh, Ricky Stark's—he's an overnight sensation. He showed up on NWA. He showed up on AEW. He's a star. Yeah. What about your journey to those two major major uh, promotions.
3: Honestly, I tell people it took me 10, 11 years to become an overnight success. Um, <laughs> it's, that's just, that's just how it is. You know, I, the, the, indie stuff, I mainly, I, so here's the deal. I wasn't big on the indies. That's just straight up. I, I wasn't really big on the indies. I wasn't really traveling that much um, in terms of like uh, how people were like how Ricochet and Sammy yeah. and, you know, those guys were every week, but the stuff that I was able to get on the Indies was valuable. I I had a major promotion here in Texas called Inspire Pro and ACW uh, that I did a lot of work with. Uh, And then from there, I would just travel to different shows. Um, But uh, I think the, the work that I had on the Indies all bet while it wasn't exactly what I had envisioned when I first started, as far as the opportunities and things like that, I made the best of it. And I made sure that I, each match I had, I wanted to prove a point of, Hey, you didn't, you didn't take a chance on me and you rather book someone who would come in for 25 bucks. And I was only asking for 75. Yeah. And you got the, the quality you got wasn't as good as it could have been. So that's, I went into that with that mindset of like making sure that every time I wrestled, I proved a point. Uh, and on top of that too, even though I wasn't getting matches with names to really learn from, if I was in the same locker room with them, I was always like, asking them to watch or to, you know, just give me a type of feedback. Chris hero was on a, a tour. I did a, like a 22 day tour in Canada for uh CWE Danny Duggan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I
2: mean, Jacobs was probably on that too, right?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Oh, he asked me to be on that. I just couldn't make it, but anyways, go on.
3: Yeah. He was on that and it was hell. It was definitely hell when, especially during the winters, but It was so great to have to 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 have someone like Hero or Jimmy ask them for advice and be able to use it literally the same day and go from there. Um, So I I do miss the Indies quite a bit. I miss the intimate setting and the grind. The grind's a little bit different, obviously, uh, when you're on national TV, but there's still a grind nonetheless. But yeah, man, I, I think I think that I wouldn't change it for the world. I busted my ass, not even knowing where I was going to get to. I thought it was going to be WWE, but it wasn't, especially after the tryout and they didn't want me. And they they were signing people who didn't have passion for wrestling. That really made me be like, yo, what? wait a minute, what? You'd rather hire someone who doesn't watch wrestling as opposed to the guy who, who breathes it? Crazy.
2: I, ridiculous in my eyes too. What, what years did you start working for them? As like, I'm assuming at like enhancement stuff.
3: So I started doing enhancement stuff in 2012. I was working at Microsoft at the time when they called me. I said, "Oh, this is it. This is the. This is it. This is how I get signed." <laughs> well,
2: I mean, yeah, 2012. I mean, they're still in. It, you know, they weren't really doing the NXT thing, and the guys no. like like they weren't doing that till about like what uh, 14, 15, 16 ish, yep. 15, 16 or something. So. I I mean, that that sucks, yeah, but man. I, you but yeah, you, know, you were wrong place,
3: wrong. It wasn't meant to be, man.
4: Well, I can't, you know, honestly, I can't, I can't, I mean, not to talk like you're not here, but I can't see you there.
3: Right. You know, I've had people tell me that too. And and I think, like I said, everything works itself out. I had the, the trial in 2017 and put all my A's in that basket because I had nothing else. True. I had nothing in terms of anything on the Indies. And,
0: you know, that was really
3: it. And yeah, that didn't happen. And then that's when I started turning to making my own vignettes. That's when I said, well, hey, if I can't get the opportunity to get myself over TV, I'll just make them myself and post them online. And it kind of started from there.
2: And what do you, th- what do you think about that? Because, sorry, guys, don't mean to cut you off, but we-, we asked this to like almost every guest because we got like old school where you had to like pretty much put out a videotape and then get a promoter to book you and all that kind of stuff. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? Social media, I'm going to take this matters into my own hands. What, what do you think of that? That anybody could pretty much put out a video and be like, hey, it can go viral. And then now yeah. they're, they're the thing. What would, do, you, do you like that? Do you not like that?
3: So you do. I actually don't like social media. And for a while, I had kind of kept pushing against it. And you know, you always hear like, oh, there's money to be made on social media. Sure, there is. But it's not in the same way that every... Like, if I make my money off of social media by doing vlogs... I can't tell you that's how to do it because that only pertains to me and that's how it helped me. So once I got past that and I came up with the idea of, well, people see social media a little bit more, right? That's a little bit more um, criticized. If people criticize social media so much, then maybe I can use that to my advantage to get more eyes on myself. And whether that's through how something quality looks or saying something to like, you know, agitate the waters, uh, I was trying to do that. I think social media is a great place to to have the option, the, the you know, the opportunity to really get yourself over, as they say. I remember um, seeing Seth Rollins at a like when I was an extra, and I say, "Hey, what what can I do to like really make it?" And he goes, "I can't tell you because when I was coming up, it was easy to just get in the cars and drive to the shows and get on and prove your 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 worth and keep coming back." He goes, "Now nah, I really don't know because it's." The landscape has changed yeah. with the, the advent of you know Twitter and stuff like that.
0: We would have never had you on if it wasn't for one of our fans. I believe his name was Miguel, who tweeted us and said, you have to guys sit down with Ricky Starks because I think with what we do and who you are would make a great interview so far. It's phenomenal. Going back, I, I have to say I've learned so much about you, and this is a phenomenal talk. What were some of the guys now? We know that the Undertaker was one of your favorite wrestlers. What was the match? What was the pay-per-view? What was the show that got you hooked on wrestling? I really I
3: don't know the specific one, but the earliest memory I have is Taker, uh, Taker versus Brett with Sean as the referee, SummerSlam oh, '97. A phenomenal, a phenomenal story, dude. It yeah, was a was, great was match. Good. So good. It was so good. That's like the earliest memory I have of seeing that. Like, what, what is going on? Like, what is happening? It was, God, every time I think about it, I get so hyped up because that type of emotional memory that that match made for me is the same exact thing that I try to do when I wrestle and, and pay it forward in that sense. Um, it was that match. Then it was Sean versus uh, Mankind. Uh, In your house, you know, beware of mind games or Mm whatever the case. So stuff like that. I really loved Undertaker, Mankind, and The Rock when I was like seven, eight, you know, nine. I have different, I have art books of it of just me doing their logos. Uh, But those were the main ones that I could think of. Keep in mind, too, my brother and my sister used to watch wrestling quite a bit. They kind of stopped around like 1994, 95 Uh, And I just picked up from there. The only difference is I took it a little bit further. A
0: little
3: bit. (laughs) Became a wrestler.
0: Wait, wait. Let me jump in, guys. Before you jump in, what does your parents think of this? Because you hear some people that are like, "You have a backup plan. You have to go to college." Ah! What? What is? What was the Ricky Stark's family dynamic when you were like, "Hey, I'm either dropping out of med school to go wrestling." Med school. That story, like med school. Yeah.
3: My my mom is super supportive of it. She, she used to come to the shows and record me when it was local, you know, in town. Um, and obviously we had talked at length about having a backup plan. That's why I'm in school for, um, physical therapy assistant. Right now. Uh, Yeah. I'm still doing that and, you know, trying to juggle that as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she she was super supportive about it. Obviously, she would love for me to have a full backup plan with other stuff down the line. But at the same time, this is something that I, I love to do, and
1: she's with it a thousand percent. Now, when you went through the indie circuit and stuff like that, you wasn't making much money, and you were in quite great shape. What what, what was your diet like back then? And now that you're on AEW and on television. What's your diet like now? Well, really, my diet
3: hasn't changed that much. I just was a little bit more um, thoughtful in in terms of, like, buying in bulk, right? So I follow a pretty, like, if it fits your macros type thing. Uh, I try to stay away from certain things uh, like, you know, junk food. It's not that I hate junk food. I'll eat it. I just don't have a desire for it. Like, I don't have a taste. I I can walk past the Oreos and be like, oh, okay. But, but yeah, really, it hasn't changed too much. I think I'm on like um, 300 grams of carbs right now two like 198 grams of protein and about like 100 grams of fats around that area. And I that's been the same.
4: I don't know what any of this fucking means, by the way. I
2: know exactly what it means. So. Are, you,
3: are, you, are you eating meat or is it plant based? I, I I definitely try to I stick to pretty much chicken and fish. I'll eat some red meat. Red meat kind of bloats me out. So I try to stay away from it. It's just hard to digest sometimes. Um, so I, I was trying to not do it around TV days, uh, but travel days, I'll go through it like a 24 hour fast and then I'll carve up the day of the show just because it's a lot easier to manage, you know, in that way.
2: I got you. Make you look vascular and all that. Exactly. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it, man. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, Maybe I should be paying attention
2: to this shit, huh? Yeah, this is this is uh, you know, uh, nutrition 101, I guess you could say. I'm more of a keto type guy now, but like w- the thing you described like when when I was like, you know, under yeah. contract and stuff back in whatever 04 to 09, um definitely doing like very similar to what you're doing, like you know, your macro intake and all that kind of stuff. Um with that being said, so and I I ask everybody this when they first get like uh you know their their first taste of gold or maybe not even the first taste of gold but when you won the the tv championship uh nwa now because i know how my story went and i've said it so many times i'm not going to tell it again but when you got there that day did they tell you beforehand like yeah here's the script you know like you're going to be going over in this and and get the tv or was it just like that day they surprised you it's like yep you're going through everybody and you're going to get the you know tv title like how, how did that go so
3: it, it was it went back and forth up until the very last minute keep in mind that the hard times pay-per-view i had to wrestle three times yeah. so that's three separate times i had to go and figure out what was gonna what was going on and that was three times that i was extremely stressed out and so by the second match um uh, they still hadn't figured it out like they they weren't too sure what they were going to do just yet and then right before the, the last match between me and Trevor, Trevor Murdoch, we got like the final, like, okay, this is for sure what we're going to do. And so that's what happened. Uh, so you them.
2: didn't know you were going over at the beginning of the day? It was like right before your match? Like, hey, plan the match and like, we'll you know going to win?
3: Yeah, essentially. It wasn't like right before the match, but it was up until like that second match. I remember the second match I went out for and came back and they had gave me, like, yeah, you know, this is for sure what we're going to do uh, 1000%, we're going to go through with you. And then I had to go and have the match with Trevor. So it was real last minute stuff. And, uh, looking back on it, that's, that's crazy to think about for a pay-per-view. They, they took that long, but you know, they just want
2: to make sure. The pay-per-view was live, correct? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you you had three matches. I mean, I I know it's like to be stressed. So I, I mean, I feel your pain, but you go through and you only have so much to plan. Like, you know, you could plan your stuff. You got three matches. Did it feel like by the time, like I'm assuming your first match, you guys like had all day plan it. You're like, okay, it's going to be a good one. The second one, not as much because you're trying to rush. It. And then the third one, you were probably like, let's just throw some crap together because like, was that what it was like?
3: So, um, so in a, in a sense, I just remember meditating after my second match. being like, dude, I got to really calm down. And, and the first time I ever successfully meditated, it was crazy. <laughs> but for the match with Trevor, it, we didn't really call anything because I didn't want to have that type of like stress about it. What I did call were certain moments that I wanted, which was like um, the power. There was a power bomb spot, and then there was something else that was supposed to happen uh, that kind of got messed up. And what it ended up being was he gave we had to give me a flapjack on the outside, but he was too he was too close to it. So when I charged at him and he lifted me up, I shoot went over and smacked my face on the ground. Mm, and we man. had to cut some stuff. We, some stuff got cut out there, but really we just talked it out when we were out there that no one really knows about. Um, I, I liked it like that because I didn't want to have to remember anything and feel yeah. so stressed about it, man, because it was such a stressful day. It yeah. was so, so stressful with two, two matches on pay-per-view, making sure they hit times. Just at that point, no one's going to remember all the, the bullshit between. They just remember the end.
2: I like it.
4: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask, and it's kind of like more of a curious question for me, you know, you've been able to now go into AEW and like you said, there's a lot of older guys there, guys that have, you know, obviously had this long legacy, you know, that you're now a part of with the, you know, TV title and everything. Um, was there one guy that like you ran into and you thought, you know, maybe from a kid, cause I've been, you know, obviously a fan and like you, like you sound like you're a huge fan like was there one guy where you're kind of like intimidated to kind of talk to you because you thought you might be a little bit more like his character in real life and and not nice you know like did did somebody blow your mind like Jake the Snake or somebody you know Tully or Arn? just be like hey what's going on buddy and
3: then not just you know you you know, know initially it was Tully I thought Tully was a bit standoffish um and for whatever reason, but then I remember him like pulling me to the side after one of my matches and talking to me, and I was like, "Oh shit, he, he's just such a great guy. He's a very great guy." Um, Jake was very nice too. Arn is like they're very very helpful. Uh, but Tully is the first one that came to mind. That I was like, "Ah, I don't want to. I don't want to make this dude mad." And <laughs> it, yeah, it definitely it definitely changed my idea about that too. D Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, all I was going to say was, you know, when you're on AEW and we talked to a lot of the wrestlers about being unscripted, you know, being able to go out there and, and say your own promo without having something, you have to read from a cue card or whatever. All How right. do you have that freedom?
3: Uh, I love that freedom. There's times where Tony will give me a direction, right? And he'll say, just go in this area and I may bounce one or two lines off of him that I'll come up with. And, and, you know, he's usually, he approves it, but for the most part, I like it. And I'm going to tell you why. I feel like wrestling uh, nowadays lacks the very authentic thread that people want. Everything, sometimes people come off real corny and too, like, tough guy-ish and things like this. I've been in quite a bit of fights in my life, and I have won some, and I've definitely got my ass kicked. And I have no humility in saying that. And I feel like people would appreciate that more if we had wrestlers who took that approach of, of humility. Like, I'm not a I'm not I'm not this big badass dude, but I definitely would make sure we got in a fight. One of us, excuse me, both of us is going to the hospital. That's the approach that I take. So to be so authentic in terms of that and genuine, I think it's great for me at least, because I don't have anyone trying to, you know, corral that and be like, well maybe not go so far on this route. That's why I love Eddie Kingston promos because that's a very authentic person and you can feel that. And so by, by contrast, when you see everything else and I'm not talking about on AEW, but just in wrestling in general, there's some people who play wrestler as opposed to just, you are a wrestler. You don't have to play it. You don't have to play this character. People don't want to see Hulk Hogan promos anymore where you're yelling and blah, 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 They want to see someone talk their mess and, and, and someone like me who talks shit to somebody who's wearing pearls, I'm wearing pearls and I'm talking trash to you. That right there is authentic because who, you know, what I'm saying who else, who else would do something like that? So I love the promos. I love not having uh, scripts. I get why they have it for some people because it can go off the rails really quick. Mm-hmm. But for me, if you prove your, your, your point and you can show management that you can be trusted with having that free reign, then why not? Well, no.
0: hang okay. on, h- hang on a second though. You talk like you're a 30 year veteran right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. But you're, you're not even 30 years old. He is 30, right? You're 30. Yeah. Yeah. You're you killing my demo
3: though, PD. I can't tell people that. Going,
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 21. How does the field be 21.
0: Wait, well, hang on. Yeah. I have to ask you this. You're you're still relatively young in the business of professional wrestling. Right. You are at the top of the industry. Do you have an idea of where you want your on screen character to go as far as evolution? Or are you where you're at, where you want to be?
3: I don't think I'm ever at a place where I want to be. And I mean that in such, in a positive light, because I like the challenge of not expecting to end up where I'm at. But the challenge of ending up where I'm at and making the best of it is so fun to me. I do have an idea of where I want to go and who I want to be in the industry. And and no one can really shake me from that, right? And that is only um, further proven to me when I'm given opportunities or given challenges and i try to make the best of it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh i always have in the back of my head the vision of where i end up being mm. and i it's important to me to stick to that because if i don't have at least a goal um you know sometimes you kind of you kind of start swerving a bit in your lane and that's not too fun but uh you know that that's that's why i have the mindset of that's why i talk as if i've been doing this for a while doesn't matter if i've had the the years put on i've watched it so much that i understand in my head what would work because it's from a different perspective than most guys who come in and go well you know back in 1998 on an episode of wcw nitro or wwf this is how i did it "Ah, screw that let's take elements from everything and see how it works
0: uh, guys, I think we have one more time uh, time for at least one more question for each of us. Lars, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I
4: mean, you know, it's been obviously really great to get to know you, you know, and 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 really see, you know, the dude is a lot like the dude up there because I can tell you, you know, you're a little hot there too, pal. But um, no, but it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. I guess the last question I have for you is is it really feels like to me when I watched AEW that there's You know, and I said this a little bit earlier before, but I feel like, you know, I go to a lot of indie shows when it's open and that's kind of what I really love to do. But I feel like I'm watching like an indie show on TV, not, you know, the first five matches of an indie show, but like the main event of every indie show on the TV. Um, Do you feel that that's part of what makes um, AEW sort of different from the rest of the programming like impact or or WWE do you feel like that that, that it has its own like little um uh, energy there so I guess I'm trying to say and
3: if that's yeah for, for sure I feel like you can feel the energy uh especially from the younger the younger guys who really want to make a difference when you watch a Darby Allen match or you watch a Sammy Sammy Guevara match or you know you feel that energy of what they really want to accomplish um, and it's because they already have it in their head. I think AW does a great job of making, not insulting the audience intelligence. You know, I think they go, "Hey, these two dudes, they're great. Let's just see how, let's see what a matchup between these two guys look like." And that's when you, that's when you have that chemistry created. So I think they do a great job of cultivating that type of feeling, the feeling that you just said. There's an intimate feeling of, like when you go to a live show, like you you watch a live band. You understand, like, hey, they're not top build, uh, they're not the top build artists right now, right? But you feel their passion, you feel their energy. They they play with such conviction and emotion that you go, do hell yeah! That's what I'm talking about, and that's usually what you would find on the indies in the main event because those guys really
1: care. Dimitri, yeah,
0: uh, following those
1: following along those same lines of what you were just talking about. How important is having championships built? Is it important or you just want to, you know, just be a top notch wrestler? You
3: know, I, I, I get this question a bit before and I, I've actually thought about it. And I'm a, I speak, just over so clear when I'm speaking, I don't care to speak if, if if I have an ego or if people think I have an ego. I'm just speaking because we're all just comfortable in this setting. I don't think that I necessarily need a title and the reason I say that is because I don't want to have to pigeonhole myself to actually accomplishing that like I don't want like if I if I went my whole career without winning the title I think I would be okay because there's other things that I can do that would make people forget about it right entertaining being a good wrestler being a good talker things like that would I love to have a title I think that'd be cool yeah for sure But do I need one? Not necessarily. I think I would make a title. If anything, I don't think the title would make me.
0: Pete, before you ask your last question, oh no, no, Pete, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask my question. I'll let you wrap up the show. Well, he
4: said something pretty interesting about making up his own title, and I gave him an idea earlier on in the show, (laughs) and I would like to see that come into fruition, Dennis. (laughs) That happened. Maybe text him after or something.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> someone knows who he is and can help you get in contact with him. But that kind of goes along the lines of my question is, I find it interesting where there are some guys that that do these wrestling podcasts, right? right. Uh, we've put together an eclectic group of people from a a rancid to P. D. Williams to baseball players to a hockey championship superstar. When you get the reach out to, hey, these group of guys want to interview you, what is it about these group of guys that make you go, yeah, I'll do this podcast, opposed to a Billy Joe who lives in his mom's basement who does uh, wrestling talk, 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 who wants to interview you? Uh,
3: Well, here's the thing. I actually don't do a lot of podcasts, and I don't do a lot of interviews because usually usually they're requests from people who have two followers on SoundCloud, and they want to ask me, the same questions that they it literally could have Googled by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They could have Googled it. And so there's times where they get offended by it. Um, I think when PD hit me up about this, the only reason I said yes to it was because looking at the, the whole panel, I said, Oh, these are p- people that actually have insight from different perspectives. We have, we have music, we have uh, a wrestler, We have people from sports. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We have – they're essentially all within the same industry on some form. And so I felt that it would be more comfortable for me to do this uh, just because I can say things without having to always preface it by saying, hey, not to toot my own horn, but blah, blah, blah. Like that sucks sometimes when you want to talk and put yourself over because you busted your ass and then people want to go, well – a bit of egotistical. It isn't. I, I love myself. I love the things that I've done and I love the stuff that other people have done as well. So that was the main reason why I did it because I just felt like from a mental perspective uh, and been in the trenches as well, everyone here has gotten it and they understand what it's like to struggle, to grind and to make it to the top and be successful.
0: The, the reason why I asked this question is because kind of like you said, you have a guy who has a two-time ex Division champion. You have, you know, Der- Darren McCarty, who's a four-time Stanley Cup champion. You have Dimitri Young, who has two MOB All Stars, a Comeback Player of the Year, Lars, who was one of the most popular punk bands of all. Yeah. Of and then we are all wrestling nerds who come together who geek out over you.
1: Hey, look at that shirt. <laughs>
0: and my favorite the well the only reason why i say these two things is the only reason one of the reasons why i love doing the show is i watch all these guys who become accomplished in their own fields geek out over you and then you geek out over all these guys who are wrestling fans and i think it's an amazing dynamic for a podcast that I just, I always kind of have to say, wow, at the end of every show.
3: Yeah, it's very, it's it, when you put it in terms like that, it is crazy to think about. And I think it's, it's a good reality to have that at the end of the day, we all share the same love for wrestling, right? Uh, and the passion for it. And to be able to say, dude, I like what you're doing. No, I like what you're doing. Fuck, oh, it, it, you can't go wrong with that. It's always going to cultivate something better so yeah i I, i'm in agreement with you it's very cool to think about it from that perspective
0: pete uh for everybody who is listening the show's about to end for us we're going to hang out and uh, probably talk a little bit before we actually disconnect but pete wrap up the show ask your last question
2: um all right it's unrelated to well i mean it kind of wraps it all up and stuff like that so um just to walk you through this so Big names, you know, coming into AEW. I know, and what you said before, you guys feel like you know you're, you're you're an upstart company. Everything's going well. We're working as a team, all that kind of stuff. In AEW, Impact, we were doing the exact same thing when we went to, you know, got our first TV contract back in 2004. We were all super excited, working as a team, all trying to get each other over and stuff like that. How I think impact ruined it, it's not that bringing in the big names like the Stings, the Kurt Angle stuff like that. I think it was more so the way they utilized them, right? Yeah, you have guys that built the company and they bring in I like call them outsiders, and the, the way they booked them is like, oh, okay, you're gonna go over and, and beat all of our you know talent that we built up the company with. AW is not doing that, or right? I, I'm, I'm hoping they're not, but I just want your perspective of like. Do you feel like AEW is doing it way better than the way Impact was doing it? Like, what are your thoughts on those superstars that you watched growing up coming in?
3: I think I think it's cool. And so I know I talked about – I know I kind of hated on some of the older generation earlier today. But it wasn't in, it wasn't in reference to anything that AEW is doing. It was just a reference to the stuff that I had to deal with on the indies and stuff like that. Well, I, I think,
2: totally get where you're coming from with that. But,
3: yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think AEW does a great job of taking a legend and a legend and presenting them as such. I think AEW has done a great job of taking someone like Arm, uh Tully. Uh, we have people backstage such as Dean Malenko yeah. and Gary Lynn. And we, we treat these people with the, the utmost respect and we don't insult their experience and their knowledge in the business. Um, same thing with having sting or bringing out, uh, you know, the most recent big signing was was Paul White. So uh, having these people, in my opinion, is so great because we treat them with respect and then in turn, these legends also understand, hey, I don't want, I'm not going to bury this guy. I'm not going to try to run over him. I'm going to try to excel them. Jericho does that as well. So to me, I love having that because I don't feel like I used to feel where I'm like, oh, great, another... Another dude just coming in for a paycheck. Okay. That's
2: how I used to think in impact back in the day, but
3: okay. Yeah. So you get it. And and I've had that feeling before at other places, Uh, but thankfully I don't have that here. And that's, that's, I think that's a testament to AEW and how they treat people. Um, You got to think about this. I got the match coming up March 7th at AEW revolution against um, me and Brian Cage versus Sting and Darby. Think about this. I am brushing up against, the last legend of that period. Yeah. Like I think I think we can all agree with that. And I had a yeah. friend tell me that earlier that I'm I'm brushing up against this last legend after Sting, really that's it. We that, that's it. It's just going to be us now. So as the the new people that people look to. When we talk in terms of hotbeds and, and those periods, Sting is kind of the last of that. And I think i haven't really put it in scope yet and it hasn't hit me but it slowly is that that's an amazing thing that's such an amazing thing and the fact that sting is willing to come in and work with people like me a dude he doesn't know anything about it just tells you how he looks at AEW and how aw looks at him
0: you know you said something interesting and i i keep trying to wrap it up but for what people don't understand is you could be an indie guy who's been in the industry for seven years, scratching and crawling and trying to move your way up to the top and then, and not to pick on the guy, but someone like Buff Bagwell, who comes in, who's a little bit past his prime, who you now have to do a job to, and I'm not saying you in general, but I'm just trying to put the scope in like, you know, these promoters bring in these guys who have once had the heyday in the spotlight while burying the young guys who are trying to make it up. And it makes it harder on the indie circuit for the young guys to come up when right. you keep having to take jobs against Buff Bagwell and Tanaka, who are 60 years old and you're 23. Right.
3: Here's the thing, too. I'm, I've am i always been a big believer in uh, iron sharpens iron. If I'm having a match with Buff Bagwell, and before we go out there, he tells me that he just wants to take it easy, I'm livid. I'm pissed off and I don't appreciate it. I don't care if I'm I'm winning or if I'm losing. The fact that this guy who comes in who has the experience and the knowledge doesn't want to put forth the effort, but I am, and doesn't want to take the time to like at least give me that type of, of courtesy. That's why I hate those type of people, those type of guys, those type of wrestlers. Uh I wish it was different, but obviously that's not always gonna be the case. I tell you this. The day that I retire, the day that I move on from, from being in-ring and I maybe come back for a one-off thing, I'm going to make sure that the person that I wanted to wrestle when I was on the Indies, I am that man a thousand, a hundred thousand percent because I didn't have that. And so I think it's unfair when those type of guys, people like – let's just say it. I remember being on a show with Honky Tonk who didn't want to take a bump. Dude, Don't he doesn't want
2: to take a bump for anybody though, man. Like it's hot <laughs>
3: Don't don't come to the show. What are you here yeah. for? Go sign your little pictures and your autographs and keep it moving. Don't waste a kid's time who wants to learn and you're just you're just here for a payday. Cool. If money's that important to you, go go do something else. Damn.
4: Well, I definitely think that your retirement match, you need to come out with one of those big top hats. <laughs> oh. I
3: don't want a monocle too.
4: Oh, <laughs> And flex. <laughs> I was just thinking, if I was a wrestler and I had to do a job to fucking the stuff, <laughs> I'd be a fucking post- a postal worker or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I,
3: I wouldn't mind losing to Buff Bagwell, but damn, Buff, we're going to make it make it be great, make it entertaining.
4: I'm yeah. sorry, bro. I wouldn't lose to fucking Buff Bagwell. I'd just, <laughs> i go in the back and just, just take my life. I have I'm a
1: Bud Bundy.
4: if i'm I'm doing a job to fucking buff bagwell then i then i'm the shits okay hang on Pete and i have the
0: best buff (laughs) let's
2: let's not even talk about that we got ricky here Uh, we'll talk about it on another podcast nope so ricky (laughs) let me cut you off dennis uh we're we're not here for that right now but (laughs) we'll fill it off air. yes Ricky, uh, that's what I love about you. I, I, I feel the same way that you feel it's pretty much a pay it forward. Like, Hey, you want the people that were considered names that when you were up and coming to, you know, have a good match with you. I know that. Cause I had somebody do it for me. A guy that, that Jerry Lynn, you know, yeah. he could have took it easy and stuff, but he went out there and we put on a hell of a show and I loved him for it. And I always remember that he was like my first name that I ever worked. And I will always pay it forward to the next person uh, no matter what. So I I love that you have that same mind frame. And I think the generation coming up, like the new generation is going to have that mind frame and we're not going to, you know, see the guys like, Hey, take it easy and stuff. But anyways,
4: well, I wanted to say something, you know, as an observation, just real fast, you're, you're, you're not an egomaniac brother. You just got a lot of self-confidence and that's something that needs to happen when you're at this level of this business, I'm sorry. I mean, at any level like this, you have to have a little cock in your walk. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I mean, you, yeah, gotta, yeah. Gotta, you gotta swing that dick around because it's like, <laughs> if you don't, then no one's gonna pay attention to you. You know, I'll take my fucking shirt off right here again, just to show no, you. No.
1: <laughs>
4: no. Well, let's and you and run. see the little running. this shit.
1: So,
4: so I, I don't I don't see your 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 you as a uh, self centered. I see you as, as mm-hmm. self confident, and that, yeah, that, sure. I just wanted to point that out because if anybody's yeah. talking shit about that
1: motherfucker, I, I'll fight him. Yeah, thank you. Hey, hey, but hey before I want I want to say my head coach and stuff. I'm a head coach now at a high school, Camarillo High School. But anyway, that confidence that you bring out and stuff—that's what I get my players to do. You can't have fear. You have fear. You're not going to bring your very best. And what I've been hearing this entire time, after seeing what you've been doing on television, that's exactly it. Amen. So please continue to do what you do,
0: Ricky. Absolute starts March seventh. AEW's Revolution. Ricky, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter,
3: uh, Starkman Jones. Uh, I'm on Instagram too, Starky Baby. You. you Honestly, you get inspiration from both pl- both platforms: fashion advice, life advice, women <laughs> advice.
0: Man, this has been probably the my favorite interview uh, we've done so far. I'm turning to Jason Kendall now, and I apologize, but this has been great for everybody at home. Like I said, the show is over for us. We're gonna chat offline. Thank you guys so much for listening. Wrestling Perspective, find us on all major platforms, YouTube, whatever. Tell your friends, good night, everybody.